26 seconds left. Gabriel looks left now, going deep down the sideline. Touchdown! Marvin Mims! 36-yard score, and Oklahoma's on the board. Again, it's going to be Major breaking a tackle at the 10, and he'll skip into the end zone. Touchdown, Oklahoma from 16 yards out. And second down. Short toss by Gabriel, shaking bank stoops, dives, touchdown! What a play! Another deep ball caught by Mims, touchdown Oklahoma, 58 yards. Got a lot to learn and grow from through this game. I was hopeful for some strain and a challenge. You know, there's not going to be change and improvement and development without a challenge, and so I'm glad that that happened. Victory! DJ Khaled! We're not good enough yet. We got a long way to go. We got a lot of work to do. We're close, and close don't mean. And you can put that on TV for me. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there. Yes. The greatest quote machine of all time. Oh, that's fantastic. I love listening to those montages. Of all the Toby Rowland calls from the football game. <laughs> oh, that's right. No Toby Rowland. We can't even play clips from the football game called from the guy that is on our station. What an absolute joke. Pathetic. But, nonetheless. Don't blame OU for that. Blame a uh, petty station no, that's, that's right. doing everything it's trying to right now that's to right. Uh, affect us. Not going to work, though. Sorry, guys. Sorry. That's right. Well, um, plenty of highlights there. Now, a lot of second-half highlights, okay? I will say, the Mims touchdown right before halftime was, uh, number one, needed, and number two, awesome. Yeah, you know what that was? It was like a uh, basketball team that had struggled for a quarter and a half to score, and they finally just say, you know what, screw it. Let's just throw the ball to our best player and see if we can get something going offensively. Yeah. That's what OU did. Let's just throw it to our best player and see if we can get something going. I thought you were going to say it was like whenever you hit that half-court shot before halftime in the uh, semifinals. End of the third quarter. <laughs> Area tournament, you were 25% there, uh, but you got the half-court shot. That was important. Uh, yeah, we have much needed. needed uh, that momentum going in before halftime, it was uh, absolutely necessary at that point. But, you know, all in all, it was a slow start, offensively specifically. Uh, it got rolling there in the second half. They changed some things up in the running game. And, you know, here's the thing. They could have changed some things up earlier in the running game, but I think part of it was Levy saying, "This, this is this is our bread and butter stuff. This is our, I shouldn't say bread and butter. This is our most basic run, and we've got to be able to run this against any team, any front, any down and distance. We've got to be able to go to the well and run this play. It's like, um, what was um, what was." in the the tropics 
whenever they traded for what's his name, um, Woody Harrelson. Um, gosh, I don't remember exactly what what was his name. <laughs> Remember when they had the the one play that they had to be able to run yes. whenever they were puking and, and tired? Uh, I think they ran it to get over a one fifty to get free corn dogs. Is that what the play <laughs> right. that they ran? Yeah, that's it. Like that's basically what it was. Like we've got to be able to run this this zone play anytime against anyone, any moment of the game. Get movement on the line of scrimmage, and I I think Levy was trying to prove a point there. Second half. They started going outside a little bit, um, you know, started running the one-back power, doing some gap scheme stuff, and started having way more success. But, you know, part of it is just trying to develop a mindset there. And, hey, I, you know, I, I wish they would have been able to get a little more going there early on, have a little more movement. I think, I think some inexperience there is, is still hurting them. Wanye Moore is supposed to play this week, so maybe that – solidifies that spot a little bit but you know let's let's call it how it is right now it feels like the offensive line is is lagging behind kind of the rest of the team well it's without a doubt I mean it's the biggest question mark you have like if you take the offensive line out of the equation and just look at the rest of this team like there's some things that could be better for sure but for the most part everything looks pretty good when you look at wide receiver play with Mims quarterback play defensively as a whole if the offensive line and they've got to come a long way. But if they do, I, I think that – I don't know if people's minds will be changed because I don't think anyone's freaking out. But if, if the offensive line plays well, this will look like a really good football team. It was worrisome, though. They couldn't run the ball against Kent State in the first half, man. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. Will they be better moving forward? God, I hope so. Um, they better be with Wanye Morris coming back in the fold. But that was – that was a performance in the run game I didn't expect to see against a team that you should be able to run the ball against. And what, what was it, more rush three, drop eight on Saturday? It continues to give this offense kind of fits. Figured it out in the second half. Man, that third quarter was awesome, but they've got to figure out how to run the ball on rush three, drop eight. That's not the last time they're going to see that this year. Was it Monix? Yes. Mannix? Monix? Mon- Monix is, is what it Monix. is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ed Monix. Ed Monix. Yeah, the three-man rush, or it's really, you know, it's really the three-man front. That They were playing their safeties fairly tight to the core. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily call that the three rush three drop eight, but, yeah. Three-man front. Three-man yes. front, yes. And, you know, here's the thing. Baylor is going to be a lot better at it. Uh, Iowa State is going to be a lot better at it. West Virginia is going to do it some. They've got a, 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 a better defensive line. So, yeah, they're going to have to get better. I think they will get better. I think they'll get better this week with Wanya Morris coming into the fold. Here's what I, I wonder. How exactly does Wanya Morris fit back into the scheme? Because – Well, you want him at left guard like everyone else does? Yeah, Maybe. I I don't know. I, I feel like like whatever you have to do to be able to get your your best five out there. And if that is Wanya Morris at, at guard, it looked like Guyton felt better at uh at right tackle. Harrison was better going back to his yep. natural spot at left tackle. But you've got to get better at the center and left guard spot. Well, and that's the most frustrating part about this whole two-game suspension, man, is 
like you're just now trying to find your best five in game three of the season. Yeah. What an opportunity the first two games of the season would have been to figure that out and know what your best five is going into game three. Yeah, no kidding. So in a lot of ways, you're kind of behind the chains a little bit on your offensive line, which makes it so aggravating and frustrating. By the way, the puke, that was the call play. <laughs> the we could have puke. sat here all day, and I would not have guessed that. Thank you, text line, as always. That's what they got to call it. Let's run the puke against the three-man front. Also, text line is uh, trying to figure out what station we're uh, referencing on. Who will let us play Toby's calls or the scene setters or basically anything anymore. So, Which I still I, don't I, understand. I've leaked that information out on the text line, so I'm sure the ref army will be uh, visiting their page shortly. I still don't understand, and I know it's there's uh, some legalese and lawyers speak in there, but uh, I think the lawyers are wrong, frankly. But that's just my opinion. But uh, you better be able to run the ball on Saturday, yeah. and I say that because I watched an air raid football team rush for 233 yards and have 642 total yards on Nebraska. I yeah. am, I am, uh, I am concerned as we sit here today. I think it'll be better. But, dude, if we're sitting here a week from now and they're not able to run it on Nebraska, that is uh, where some real concern is going to be had. Yeah. Yeah. Which, whenever I saw the news that Nebraska head football coach Scott Frost had been relieved of his duties, I was pissed. So was everyone. Everyone immediately was messaging and saying, oh, gosh, I was feeling great about this game. Now I'm way more nervous. Yeah, it's a disaster is what it is. It is an absolute disaster. Not what you want at all. Every team that has their head coach fired plays their ass off one game. One game for the interim coach. Everyone's pride is on the line. Which, how it comes to this before you finally look down and say, hey, maybe we should all try a little bit harder. Uh, your coach has been fired. But everyone finally digs in. Everyone is feels like they're finally uh, exposed. They show up and play their tails off. Yeah, it's this is a... This is a buzzsaw. Hey, USC's best season in like the past decade was when Coach O came in midway yeah. through the year and was the interim head coach. So we've seen I, – I, in no way do I think Nebraska is going to turn around this year. They are, or at least have been, a complete disaster defensively. And I mean, they are bad defensively. But I feel like that's – isn't that how Helton, uh, Clay Helton got the job too? Who was fired whenever he was there? Um, let's see. So or so was it Sark? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like after yeah, that, Sark, like the, yeah, yeah, they I, played I really good for him for a couple of games, too. Uh, and all the players wanted him to be the coach, and administration fell in line, and, and here we are. But here's the thing. Coach speak, cringy, I understand, but it's all about Oklahoma going up there. There is no way. If you take care of business, if you if you play the the way you're supposed to, if you prepare the way you're supposed to, if you don't get caught up in the atmosphere and don't get caught up looking at the scoreboard from Nebraska's game the week earlier, 
you should be fine. Hey, there's no excuse to do that after the way you played in the first half. And I know that it was a hap, you know, a, a nice thought after the game, winning by 30 points. But, dude, if this team thinks that they've already won this football game after seeing Nebraska, after the way they played the first 30 minutes offensively, no way, man. Well, No way. And I agree with that, which is kind of why I've been, I guess, not upset – Almost happy that things haven't been just perfect through the first two games. Because uh, if you're firing on all cylinders, there's just a, I don't know, I know the coaching staff fights against it like crazy, but there's this, there's just this natural instinct to feel like you're, you're good, you're set, like we don't need to improve. So I like that there's, there's been plenty of things to work on both weeks to, uh, to coach those guys hard whenever they go in and watch the I, film. I made the comp in the uh, post-game show Saturday, and I hope that this is accurate, and I hope that I end up being right about this. But I'm wondering if this is similar to the 2015 offense, to where at the end of the year, man, they were they were really good. They, they hit late October, November. They were one of the better offenses in college football. But at the beginning of September, they were struggling, man. Yeah. New offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new system. I'm hoping that that's what's going on here, but it does concern me a little bit that they're trying to run their bread and butter play against Kent State, and they're not getting much of a push up front. Yeah. And and what a what a change, by the way, Saturday in the stands. You know, normally you hear uh, run the damn ball. <laughs> I actually heard in the first half, and I swear someone says throw the damn ball instead. Stop running. Yes, it. throw the thing. Uh, that's great. Well, you know, I was talking about this on the broadcast. The way this offense works and the reason it's been so successful is there's some things that are straightforward. Matchups with wide receivers and DBs. If there's a matchup that you really like, you exploit it. And the other thing, and this isn't anything new or anything that's exclusive to this offense, but when you come up and line up, and they're giving you a light box, you outnumber them in the box, it really doesn't even matter what the down and distance is. They're running the football. They're handing it off. Because you know the numbers dictate you run the football uh, whenever you've got the numbers in the box. So that's why they kept running it, because they kept getting a light box, and you know they just, just weren't getting enough push up front. And they were doing some weird things on the defensive line and – and the safeties were adding adding late and but fact remains you still got to be able to get yeah. more movement at the point of attack. Then they hit on one big play late in the second quarter and then all of a sudden the show was on. That yeah. for for as bad as the offense was in the first half, the complimentary football that was played in the third quarter and I recognize who the opponent was on Saturday. I realize it was Kent State, but that is that's what you're looking for. And if that can be – if that team and that 15-minute stretch can be a regular thing, they're going to win a whole lot of football games this year and yep. probably going to win the conference because that 24-0 run they had in that 15-minute stretch, that is that is both sides of the football playing. That's that's elite, man. Yeah. Pressure on the quarterback, hitting on deep plays down the field, that's that's what you're looking for. So I guess that it that's the big positive is you played your best 15 minutes of football on both sides – coming out of game number two. Yep. 
All right. We got to hit a quick timeout here. First timeout of the day. Hanging out at Bandy's Barbecue. What do they got going on up here? I love this place. We're upstairs, awesome. which is beautiful. They've got the doors, the the hurricane doors open. You got the breeze flowing through here, overlooking Top Golf and this whole area. Full bar up here, fun atmosphere. TVs everywhere, and the food is absolutely fantastic. Monday night football watch party up here, and the the weather is going to be awesome for that. It's going to feel really good up here. Bandy's live, which is on the second floor. Broncos, Seahawks tonight, and they've got their Mexico Monday, mm. and they're going to have $3 Mexican drafts. Pacifico, which Love Rush it. brought you by Pacifico, Modelo and Dos Equis as well. So if you're wanting to watch Monday Night Football, you need a spot to watch OU Nebraska this weekend. Buddy, this is it. Beautiful. All right, quick timeout. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. We'll be back. It is a Reaction Monday live on The Rush. We are the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Bandy's Barbecue, that's where we're hanging out today. Bandy's Live, it's their upstairs bar and live music venue. That's where we're hanging out today. They got live music every Wednesday through Saturday night. Uh, Mexicue Monday is tonight. All of their Mexicue items are half price, plus $3 Mexican drafts. Pacifico, a sponsor of the Rush, of course. Modelo and Dos Equis. Watch the Monday night football game tonight, Broncos and Seahawks. Right here at Bandy's Live, OU Nebraska. They're going to have a watch party here on Saturday. Doors will open early. They've got food and drink specials and uh, tons of TVs as well. All right, you and I had a short discussion late last week about Danny Stutzman. Uh, I was a little bit more impressed with him than you were in week one. You definitely gave me the coach speak of, he's got a long way to go. Got to do a lot of things better. And I don't doubt that that's the truth, but he looked like a dude on Saturday, man. And, And what he looked like to me without like going and watching the film and, you know, watching the All-22. He just looked, and you could say this about Billy Bowman too, they look like they're in charge of the defense out there. Well, yeah, and, and the more experience they get, that's just start number two for Stutzman. Uh, more experience he gets, more comfortable he gets in the defense, the, the better he's going to be, the more aggressive he's going to be, the more downhill he's going to be. You know, he week one, he got caught on his heels quite a bit. And that was a, a lot better offensive line in week one than it was in week two. Um, he got caught on his heels a couple of times. Week two, he looked way more aggressive, way more um, confident in where he was supposed to be. They hit him on a gimmick play a couple of times with that tight end you know, running past him where it looks like it's going to be like a little split lead play, and then he just carries on and runs that that little corner route. Not a big deal. So I, I thought by far his best game. And anytime you have 12 tackles, four tackles for loss, like that's the, that's the most critical thing. Like tallying up tackles is good. But a lot of times you don't know where those tacklers are ta- or tackles are taking place. When you have four tackles for loss where you're playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, that tells me that you're aggressive, you're playing downhill, knockback tackles, you're not getting drugged for two or three yards after contact. Really, really good stuff. Showed massive improvement from week one to week two. Yeah, and he's going to show even even more improvement from week two to week three. And I keep saying it. Uh, I've said it all off season. I've said it after week one, and I'll say it again. Going to be a completely different player in the second half of this season compared to the first half, and that's a good thing. And I don't want 
to over overlook Aguebu. I thought Aguebu had a solid game as well. I thought both guys on the inside played well. Brent was uh, talking after the game and you know talking about how in the first half the tackling wasn't all that great from this defense. You know, one thing that stood out to me about this defense is, you know, there was even a situation, like, because the third down defense still wasn't where it needs to be on Saturday. And there's one play in particular where they got Kent State in a third and 17. And I think as a fan, you're finally coming around at least a little bit of, oh, my God, I'm not scared of third and 17 anymore. I used to be. It used to be an automatic uh, first down. I'm not scared of third and 17. Justin Harrington comes, whiffs on the quarterback, and they pick up that first down, right? And in the past, it always felt like, okay, OU gives up a third down or a long third down conversion. Forget about it. We don't even need to finish this drive. They're going to score a touchdown. They're going to come away with points. Just hurry up and let them score so the offense can get it. That's not really the case anymore. Right. You know, they're not letting a third down conversion totally dictate the rest of the drive. I do like, even with the things that need to be better, that this defense is able to rally after giving up a third down conversion and still figuring out a way to get get a stop. Yeah. And, you know, the big biggest factor in that is they're not giving up big plays. That's the most critical thing. I think the longest play on Saturday was 24 yards. Longest run, I think, was 17, and that was a quarterback scramble. And I think, I think the 24-yard pass – and it may have been a 22-yard pass, and they got a longer one later. But And I think the 24-yarder was the one I was talking about on Stutzman, the little gimmick play to the tight end. But, you know, the 22-yard pass was the free play on, you know, the offsides, where we jumped offsides, they snapped it, got a free play, and he threw it downfield, and they got a completion out of it. So it's not like you've got free runners for the most part, you, you've got everything under control. You're in the right place. Most guys are, are locking down their responsibility. You know, this day and age, you, people are going to hit a couple of things on you. You know, I, I still feel like we're in a really good spot defensively. You know, offensively, there's, there's some things that we got to work on. I think right now we're like 6 of 24 or something like that on third down Yeah, as an offense. And it's just there's there's some frustration points in there right now offensively, but kind of like you talked about, new quarterback, new system, some new starters at different spots on the offensive line. Hopefully they work through it. And I'm confident they are going to continue to get better. I just wonder what's the ceiling. I mean, I think the ceiling is is still high. It's just it, – it's all predicated on the offensive line. It, I mean, I think this offense is going to go as far as the offensive line. If they gradually improve throughout the year, it can be one of the better offenses in college football. But what they can't be is they can't be – they can't have to resort to an air raid offense that has to score every single drive in under a minute. And I just calculated it up. Tell me if this means anything to you. OU through two games already has four touchdown drives of a minute or less. They've had four drives of like 33 seconds, 58 seconds. Under two minutes, they've had uh, seven touchdown drives of under two minutes through the first two games. Does that mean anything? Um, and well, we're still looking for kind of those long sustained drives yeah, that still come away with points. That's the majority of their drives. I think right now that tells me that their, their tempo 
is their biggest weapon. And I don't necessarily like that. I, I want tempo to kind of be a secret weapon that you don't have to go to all of the time. Like, I would like this team to be able to stand there at the line of scrimmage, tell the defense that we're running the same exact play we just ran on the, on the previous snap, it's inside zone, here it comes, and be able to blow them off the football and get a five- or six-yard carry. That's, that's what I want. And I still feel confident that we're going to get there. Because here's the interesting thing. During training camp, we talked about this. I was told by a bunch of different people that the offensive line was the strength of the team. Now, we just said that the offensive line up to this point has kind of been the weakness of the team. I think that, like, I don't expect Wanye Morris to be inserted in the lineup and it's all of a sudden we've got the the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, that's fair. But I do expect that whenever you're able to put your best five guys out there like you had in training camp, that things should look quite a bit better. At least that's my hope. Yeah, well, it wasn't just that it was the strength of the team. It was that they had not just a five, but three or four guys behind those guys that could really play. They had depth on the offensive line. I'm wondering if this is kind of the breaking point for some of those guys where we start not only just seeing more of that depth, but start seeing it in the starting lineup. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I, you know, I, I don't know why we haven't seen more of Savion Bird. My guess is – that guy could very well happen very soon. Very soon. Well, yeah, I think so. But I'm, I'm just I'm curious as to why we haven't seen it more already because there's, there's been plenty of opportunity to say, you know, we, we, need to, we need to solidify that spot, get out there and show us what you have. It just tells me that he's probably not practicing well and they don't feel like they can trust him. And, you know, we get into this argument every year well, why don't they play this guy or that guy? And all I can tell you is, I don't know. I, I trust the guys that watch them practice every single day to, to know who the better player we is. We call it their uh, Roy Finch discussion around yeah. here. That's, that's what we uh, reference it as. Well, Why did Roy Finch get in the ball more? I don't think he knows the plays, guys. I think that's why. <laughs> Just a hunch. You can't trust him in protection. I Well... We're going to start having that conversation, and I'm sure I didn't get to listen to the post game, but I'm sure this probably chewed up a big piece of the conversation. Well, who should have more carries, Eric Gray or Marcus Major? Oh, buddy, I was uh, I was going to wait to get into that today. No, we don't have to get into it now. I was just there was a reference for sure of well, Major's got some wiggle when he's out there. <laughs> yeah, we got we did get that. But, hey, he did look good. Yeah. I, he's a thumper, and he has moves like that, one-on-one in the open field. Okay. Good. I thought he looked great. Oof. Yeah. The, hey, the sentiment from – and I uh, – Now, hang on a second. I Hold just, that thought. I'm not talking about what we think. I'm just letting you know that I think Twitter is about 80-20 Marcus Major should start right now. Well, of course they are. Maybe even 90-10. 
you know, wait until the first quarter against Nebraska and Eric Gray is going to be the Heisman Trophy. No, I, I'm convinced that Eric Gray could have 250 yards next week and people will still be like, well, Major would have had 325 if you give him the chance. Ain't got it. Is that what you're telling me yeah. with Gray? Uh, let me get to a few texts here before we okay. hit a break. Rewatched the game three times last time. Uh, I guess maybe that's last night. Dang. Mm-hmm. Just focused on left guard. He is lost and not physical. Uh, delayed linebacker coming. I don't think he picked him up once. Yeah. I, that's true. I'm just concerned about the watching the game three times over. <laughs> I just mean both. You know? I have enough trouble watching it back one time, much less three times. I say that's probably not even the uh, the condensed version. That's probably the three and yeah. a half hour one. I say start picking up fishing, um, maybe golf, tennis, something active to get outside and move around a bit. Three times on a replay replay of Kent State on a game we won, I think is a bit much. Hold off on that until it's a game we lost and. We've got more to really dig into and complain about than the left guard, which I'm not saying is a small thing. And I will say this. I love the dedication, and I appreciate that. we got the best fan base in the country. We had the same conversation, especially the last five years, about the offensive line. What's been the constant? I think that is hinting towards Bill Bedenboe, that text if I'm reading between the lines there correctly. Well, number one, it's not true. Five years ago, they won the award for the best offensive line in the country. Four years ago, they had what one of maybe the best rushing offenses in all of college football. Three years ago? Okay, I got you. Three years ago. What's the award for the offensive line again? The uh, Joe Moore Award. Joe Moore Award. They won that in 2018, five years ago. So we weren't saying that five years ago or four years ago. But in in 2020, it became an issue. 2021, definitely an issue. And so far this year, Definitely Trend, an issue. Yeah, trending towards being a, a season-long issue as well. Five-one-two area code. This defense reminds me of how the 2000 defense started out. Let me just note here mm-hmm. that it's been about maybe a decade plus since we've heard any OU defense compared to the 2000 defense. Right. So that's a start. The, this defense reminds me of how the 2000 defense started out. The first couple of games was okay, but starting the second half of the Kansas game, it was something different. It just clicked. Wondering if that's what's going to be the case with this year's defense. Perhaps. And I agree. The first the first game, the UTEP game, what was it, like 55-14? Wow, look at you. I've been rubbing off on you with these well, final scores from 22 years ago. Nice job. I, I've, I've, I did that replay of it, and we went back and watched it, and it was not great. UTEP moved the ball plenty, but we had like – like six turnovers uh, that we forced in that game and ended up running away with it. So that is definitely true. And then who we played like Arkansas State. Arkansas State, Rice, and then Kansas. Yes. 
So so proud right now. I think there's some truth to that. Here's the thing. That was the second year in a new scheme. That's kind of the difference. So will will this will this defense have an accelerated um accelerated curve on of understanding on this or you know I guess what I'm saying do they peak maybe a little bit quicker or are they going to be able to continue that on? Uh, we'll see. Time will tell. But I'll say this. I do agree there's some similarities starting off. And, frankly, the offense wasn't that great either that year in 2000, uh, early on. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out, Bandy's Barbecue. Uh, you got to come check us out. They've got plenty of deals going on here for, uh, what is it called? Monday Mexico? Night Football? Mexico? Oh. <laughs> Mexico is... Monday, yeah. All their Mexico items are half price. <laughs> plus they have $3 Mexican drafts. Pacifico, Modelo, and Dos Equis. I think you should probably get Pacifico if you're here, the big sponsor of the Rush, but that's just me. But, uh, yeah, tonight's going to be awesome. Bronco to- Seahawks. Totally agree. Quick, quick timeout. We'll be back with more next. It is the Rush live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman live at Bandy's Barbecue, Chisholm Creek in Oklahoma City. You know that 50-foot pink guitar that you've seen out front here in Chisholm Creek? Yeah, that's where we're at today. Bandy's Barbecue. We'll be here until 6 p.m. If you're looking for a spot to watch the OU Nebraska game, if you like good barbecue, you like a big drink selection and uh, a lot of TVs, well, Bandy's is the is the spot for you. And Tyler will be playing the first 15 seconds of Stone Temple Pilots on acoustic guitar later. Plush. Yes. Plush. It's the only song that I knew at 16 years old. Did bring it to the uh, gas station there in Verdon to play for uh, all my friends nice. one day. It was a hit, and they all made fun of me. Nice. Game ball from Saturday goes to... The LED lights. How about that? The LED. Really? Now, I mean, it was really cool. I thought it was great. Now, hang on a second. I thought it was cool. Uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. The game bar. Uh, Jeez, game we are in the ball up here. for Saturday night goes to the student section. They were there. The student section was packed. Until the end of the game. <laughs> Happens one time when we give them a game ball. You have to, hey, you have to give credit. You can't just hammer them for not being there. You've got to give them credit for, it was, they stayed longer. Those sections were packed more than any other section in the entire stadium through the entire fourth quarter. I'm actually going to take the game ball away and give it to someone else. Here's our third attempt at the real game ball okay. on Saturday. How about my boy, uh, the PA announcer? Unless I totally missed it last week, I think he may have started a new tradition. Really? Yeah. Um, he added something at the end of his first down calls, and I don't know if anyone noticed that or not or how much they liked it. Sucker, first down, no. sucker. I wish no? he okay. adds the uh, booper real loud after the first down call. So you'll have like a Marcus Major up eight yards, first down, suitors, boomer after that, and everyone yells sooner. So maybe I missed huh. that, but it, hey, he's just throwing out something new here. Okay, that's kind of like um, I think the Bears do some. Chicago Bears do something like that. Every team does something like that. Okay. Like at K State, good for a wildcat, and they yell first down really loud. I did for the first time hear the third down call. From well, the yeah, PA because it lasts like thirty-five seconds. It's incredible. That guy has some lungs. Third and five. 
it, it, it is. It may last a minute and a half. Well, it is. Nuts. I will tell you that I think our our um, stadium is getting accustomed to the defense because. It started to be a thing on third down every single time. It didn't matter if it was third and one, if it was third and ten. Every third down, you started to get a reaction from the crowd. It hasn't been like that in recent years, right? Well, you finally are able to get to third down now, so that actually helps. <laughs> Good I love this text. How does Boomer affect recruiting? <laughs> well, I heard that's, positively. That's one of the things I heard the recruits talking about post game was the PA announcer. The atmosphere was really good in the second half. I had a great time in the second yeah. half of the game. The LED light show, everyone stayed. It was it was cool, dude. Now, I heard you guys discussing earlier if they're going to add red. Uh-huh. Can you now, confirm that? Well, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland, said on Saturday night, I don't think he said this on air, maybe he did, but I think there's red LEDs that are – Underneath, like, you know, the ribbon that runs on the upper decks? Yeah. I think there's supposed to be red LEDs that go under there at some point. I don't think they're going to be in the light the light banks up above the field. I think they go under those the upper decks and flash. Well, what I heard is that what we saw on Saturday is a lot like of how we talk about the offense in the first two games. <gasps> oh, we're holding a lot back. We ain't going to show nothing until Kansas State. Ooh, how about that? The they problem is. Basic vanilla offense against Kent State, and they're going to unveil some different things for uh, Kansas State. Here's know. the problem. Our our first night game will be week two against Georgia next year. So no, um, you didn't you didn't hear about the K State kickoff time? No, you didn't hear about that. No, huh? Okay, well you're the only one listening right now. Um, Seven o'clock. Oh, you Kansas State. Shut up! <laughs> oh my God. Are you Seven p.m. Yeah, it's Central Time. Seven p.m. Central Time start on Fox for OU Kansas State. Glad I could update you. Did they move us to the SEC already? How did that happen? You know what? I didn't think about that. I'm gonna drive <laughs> to the stadium official? and see if there's an SEC level yeah. on the 25 yard line. It's official. We've moved to the SEC. If we're playing KSU at 7 p.m. Oh, that light show, hell, in that crowd, that adds 10 points at least to that football game. Did you check the Vegas line? I bet it did. Well, no, but I did check the Vegas line for OU Nebraska, and it opened up at two this summer. And I got up to 15 yesterday. Talk about a massive swing between the two lines. Well, now it's down to 13 and a half. Hey, still, I will tell you right now, Nebraska game is going to be tough. I, whatever, we know what that is. Kansas State, buddy. That's the that's the best team you're going to play for a while. They're, yeah, they're, they're good. It might be the best team you play this year. I seriously. No, we say on the postgame show, it's like, okay, like you got a little four-game stretch here that's that's tricky, that's difficult. In some ways, the season starts this Saturday, but Kansas State's the best team you're going to play in this stretch. I, I will, I, you know, honestly, and I don't care what people say nationally, but the Big 12 is deep this year. I don't, I don't know that you have what you would consider a what used to be a Kansas layup game. Kansas is salty. Uh, maybe it's West Virginia, but even West Virginia has has a quarterback that's you know, I 
I don't know how good he necessarily is. He's got a high ceiling. We've seen games where he's lights out uh, in his career. Tech, dangerous. TCU, dangerous. I, I think pretty much everyone is a worthy opponent this year. And obviously there's going to be better teams in there than others, but there's no layups this year in the Big 12. Nope. So, all right, quick timeout. More from the rush. Coming up, hanging out, Bandy's Barbecue. Come take advantage of a bunch of the uh, different specials they've got going on for Monday Night Football tonight. Going to be really, really good uh, uh, stuff going on tonight. Good game, frankly, uh, tonight as well. Quick timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Cavis Construction, bringing you hour number one of the rush on this Reaction Monday. We're live at Bandy's Barbecue, Chisholm Creek in Oklahoma City. Text line. You're really trying to say K-State is better than Texas? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Hey, Texas played well. They almost beat Alabama. That's great. I just don't understand why people think that this is anything different than what we've seen before. Of course they played well against Alabama. Of course they're going to play well against OU. You know what I bet they don't do? Play well against UTSA this Saturday. Yeah. they. I saw Sark saying that, yeah, we better not be reading the uh, rat poison either. And that's exactly right. That's the one thing that we, we know about them is they don't they play to their opponent. And UTSA is a dangerous football team. They better better show up ready to play. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got hour number two next here from Bandy's Barbecue.